0: Hey everyone, my name is O.J. Tucker, host of the O.J. Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is O.J. Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Tuesday. Hopefully you guys had a good weekend. There was not much in terms of the news of sports. Obviously there were some events that happened in tennis, such as the Yara Valley Classic and the Gripsland Trophy but overall there was not a lot of news in 10.0 so it was was pretty lackluster to say the least there was a lot of charity matches and a lot of fluff pieces that came out but let's just again let's just start with uh football like last week because that's the interesting sport at, at the moment and I think that's a sport that a lot of people are interested in right now because of the anticipation for Super Bowl week this is media week I think yesterday or today was media day I'm not so sure it was mostly digital. So let's just get right into the football news. So, on Saturday night, around 10 p.m., if I remember correctly, there was a big trade that happened between two teams, the Lions and the Rams. And the Lions sent Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams for two first round picks, a third pick, a third round pick, and Jared Goff for Matt Stafford. The Lions got the two first-round picks, Jared Goff, and a third-rounder. And in exchange, the Rams got Matt Stafford. And my original thoughts about this trade was that the Lions absolutely won this trade. Obviously, the Rams have a pretty good quarterback right now. To me, he sort of reminds me, as I said with Philip Rivers, he does remind me of a Drew Bledsoe, where he's this... Good quarterback uh, on the cusp of of greatness, but at the same time hasn't really won a Super Bowl ring and has had some inconsistencies with this play. Again, not all of it's his problem or his fault. It's more of the Lions coaching staff and the Lions head office and general management in general. But at the same time, it is a good trade for the Lions because of the fact that for the next two years, not this coming year, but for 2021 and 2022 specifically, they now have the ability to get two first-round picks from the, from the Rams. Now, that's assuming that the that the draft picks will be in the 20s to lower 30s because the Rams are probably going to go to the Super Bowl or or, or uh, will be in the thick of it when it comes to the Super Bowl. But still, I think the, the Lions won this trade because... Not only do you have Jared Goff, which a lot of people say that Jared Goff is an okay quarterback to say the most about him. <laughs> I mean he's he's okay. I mean he's not that great. There has been times when he hasn't really stepped up and really delivered those big time throws whenever the team needed it the most, but more often than not, he has had a good I'm sorry. <laughs> uh he has had a, a good play, you know, and I think Jared Goff is someone whose talent is still there to be seen. If you surround himself, if you surround him with good players and with a coach that can actually listen to him and listen to his demands, then I think he's going to be a good, a fairly talented quarterback. I don't think that's really saying that much for Jared Goff, to be honest with you. But again, I think he's a good quarterback, and if if they'd use those two first-round picks for Jared Goff, whether it's a left tackle to avoid the pass rush and can step up in the pocket to deliver to receivers such as Amendola. We'll get to Amendola in a second. I mean, he just completely obliterated Belichick uh, last Sunday with his comments. But yeah, if you surround him with a good left tackle and a good outside wide receiver, then I think you'll have a fairly good team for the Lions and a team that can build off those trades, those draft picks, and above all, just a good team overall. I don't think the Lions will go 9-7. and seven. They may go 8-8. Eight and eight, They may go 7-9 and nine this year. But you're seeing the building blocks of a good team that could be in the thick of it for years to come. Because those draft picks will get ahead of you if you decide to stick with Matt Stafford and at the same time delegitimize Jared Goff. Because that's what essentially Sean McVay did During his time there. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be enticing. And hopefully the Lions can get the best of it. But again, you're you're trading away a 33-year-old quarterback to the Rams. I mean, this is totally on the Rams, to be honest with you. Because for them, they only have like a two- to three-year championship window. And if you're not able to do it because of lack of draft picks... Then it's going to bite you in the tail, you know, for lack of of, of a worse term, you know. Uh, I, I do think that if you sort of bankroll your future on a thirty-three-year-old quarterback who hasn't really won anything in the league, I mean, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I think Matt Stafford is a very durable quarterback, and he's someone that you can re- rely on. But at the same time, I don't think, I don't think it's there in terms of having a playoff window with him because we haven't really seen him 2 minutes left to play in the 4th quarter at the own 25 yard line and come back from behind in those key matches whether it's in the divisional round or in the championship round. I don't think we've really seen that from Stafford. He is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of people underrate him because of his affiliation with Detroit and everything that Detroit touches turns to dog crap. Uh, for lack of a over worse term, but I do think that if the Lions maneuver this, they can eventually win the trade. It's going to be hard because they are Lions, and you know they have proven that they're not necessarily the best when it comes to utilizing their draft picks in the past five, ten years. Obviously, they had Matt, they drafted Stafford, they drafted Calvin Johnson, but. In, in terms of keeping the talent around, probably not the best example to use when it comes to the Lions. So I do think that with Stafford, you're going to see a lot of upside to him, but I think it's only going to be seen through the regular season. I think the playoffs really expose individuals who haven't really been in those situations and, more importantly, don't necessarily take it into account. Now, I'm not saying Stafford doesn't take it into account. That's not all I'm saying, but I do think that it's concerning when you have, when you trade away your starting quarterback to future first rounders for a quarterback that hasn't really been in that situation or hasn't really been in that scenario. I'm not diminishing Stafford. I think he's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, a good quarterback. But at the same time, you can't really discount the intangibles when it comes to having those players and maybe Jared Goff isn't that player and you know it looks to me like he at times is at best a Joe Flacco a person that can do well with this with the right amount of talent but i don't think we're going to find that through Stafford i i just don't think so and again as I, as i said before or as i said earlier if you surround Goff with good talent obviously their defense is Sus, uh, suspect, to say the least. I don't think their defense is that great, to be honest with you. I mean, they were like, ranked dead last in most categories last year. But if you surround them with an outside wide receiver that can fill the uh, role of Calvin Johnson, I know that's going to be hard. And if you get a nice left tackle, then I can easily see them with the thick of it, with the Rams and the Seahawks and Maybe the Cowboys. I don't know. But again, this was just a ballsy move by the Ryan by the Rams. The Lions. I almost said Ryan's. Shane Gillis is is uh, is uh, pleased with that one. Shout out to Shane Gillis. Go su- go support man. Shane Secret Podcast. Great great podcast. But again, this was a, a pretty ballsy move by the Rams because. Again, you're trading away your future for a two- to three-year window. And if that two- to three-year window closes, then that general manager, that coach in general, Sean McVay, it, I mean, it's it's not going to go well, you know, for them. They may, they may not only see uh, a chopping block for them in terms of not staying with the Los Angeles Rams after those two- to three years, but, I mean, you could see other people in, inside their immediate circle leave as well, you know. So again, I don't think it's going to be beneficial for McVeigh if this falls flat on his if he falls flat on his flat on his own face because of this move. And you're going to see the long-term repercussions of this if he does in fact not win a Super Bowl or even get to it. Because again, while Stafford is a good quarterback, he hasn't really been in those situations. He hasn't really been the person that can really come from behind and get you a victory in that environment because of the fact that the Lions haven't really been in the playoffs for that long. And this sort of parlays into the next topic that I'll talk about about Stafford, which is that Matt Stafford, there's been reports on Sunday that Matt Stafford asked to not be part of the Patriots. He asked the Lions general, uh, the Lions general management, the management of the Detroit Lions that he wants to be traded anywhere besides New England. And that should be concerning. You know, as a Patriots fan myself, that's concerning to me. Extremely concerning because it it sort of shows you that Brady wields power and that ghost of Brady is still within Gillette Stadium. Because. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, uh, Danny Amendola was interviewed by Nick Wright of Fox Sports 1. And Nick Wright is, in my opinion, no different than the Stephen A's and the Max Kellerman's. He's going to say things for attention. And that's part of the economy that we live in, is the attention economy, the data attention economy. But Nick Wright was interviewing Danny, Danny Amendola And he sort of wanted to get his thoughts on Tom Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl. (laughs) And it still is weird for me to say 10th Super Bowl because I'm not used to... Like that number in and of itself is just mind-boggling. 10 Super Bowls for a single player. I mean, hats off to Brady, but hair plugs for Brady. Did you see his hair plugs? They're They're so bad, man. But anyways... Uh, He was at, He asked Danny Amendola uh, about Brady and just about who he is as a player and how much he means to him. And Danny Amendola basically put it in the, these succinct words where he's like, yeah, if you look up Patriot way in the dictionary, you look at Tom Brady. And to me, I sort of viewed it as like a slight dig to Belichick after the 2017 AFC Championship game. Because if you don't remember that game, it was against the Jaguars and Tom Brady had this lingering thumb injury during the entire pre prelude to that game and also during the game itself. And Danny, Danny Amendola was the quintessential receiver for Brady, and that's sort of how Tom Brady and the New England Patriots faced off against the Philadelphia Eagles. But Belichick was asked about Danny Amendola after that game, and he was like, yeah, if you look at the definition of a good Football player, you'll get Danny, Danny Amendola. So I sort of saw that as like a subliminal shot to Belichick. and again, the the Patriot model is sort of let's let's get you a pay cut so that you can be a part of this system, and while you may not be getting that much money, we'll sort of chirp in the NFL writers and and the uh, the. Uh, the political zeitgeist within the NFL that you are a good player and that when you are on the trading block, they can trade you and get uh, get compensate you for the money that you have. So Danny Amendola that year, he was basically just playing for incentives. He wasn't making that much money, and I think at the time he was like seeing Olivia Munn or something. I don't know. I don't know why I mentioned that, but I think that's sort of important to know because like it, it sort of adds to that character that you sort of have to play in with the NFL. But again, I sort of view it as like a, a shot, you know. And this could, and I think the main reason why Matt Stafford didn't want to be in New England was because of the fact that Danny Amendola was sort of chirping in his ear saying, oh, they treated the best player of all time horribly. I mean, I remember seeing this Fighter and the Kid podcast with Mark Sanchez. Uh, two people, Brennan Shaw Mark Sanchez, that, a lot of the internet hates, and for good for I understand why they hate him, but I think they get too much hate on the internet. If 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 that makes sense, but I don't know. Maybe you guys should put away the friars, if you know what I'm saying. But um, they were sort of going back and forth about Brady, and apparently Mark Sanchez said there's like this rumor that whenever Brady would go back into the meetings after. After a Sunday's game, whether it was a win or a loss, you would get berated by Bella Chicken as coaching staff. So, if they're treating the best player of all time like utter trash, imagine what they'll do to Stafford, who hasn't really proven himself to be in that Brady tier level. So, I mean, if that's, I think that's the main reason why Danny Amendola hasn't, or the, I think that's the main reason why Stafford hasn't really been that receptive to being traded to the New England Patriots is because of the fact that Danny Amendola has been chirping in his ear and also because of the fact that, I mean, Matt Patricia is the defensive coordinator. I mean, not defensive coordinator, but he was the head coach of the Detroit Lions and now he's a part of the coaching staff with the New England Patriots. And while Patriot players may like Patricia, I don't think the Lions really like him because he may have... Brought a few of that Belichick school of thought within the Lions, within the Lions team. So I think that's another main reason why Patricia, or that's another main reason why Stafford hasn't really been listening to Patricia. And in all honesty, the only time you should really listen to Matt Patricia is what he recommends to you at a buffet. I don't, I don't know if I want to get my football advice from Matt Patricia. I mean, I, I respect him. I think he's good, you know. Uh, but, yeah, the only time you should really listen to him is what foods to recommend uh, when you want to go ham on dinner. That's the only time you should listen to him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's the main reason why he, he asked not to be traded is because of the affiliation with Matt Patrician the past year or so, for the past year and a half, and because of Belichick's treatment toward Brady and towards other individuals within that Gillette stadium and also Bill Belichick is vehement when it comes to asking players to take pay cuts to sort of incentivize the team to play at a higher level because if he's again if he's asking Tom Brady to take pay cuts then just imagine what he must have asked Danny Amendola to do he probably asked him to 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 stop seeing Olivia Munn or something uh, maybe it's culpable. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't really know. I don't really get involved with uh, people's uh, personal personal entanglements, as the great Jada Pinkett would would say. So, so that sort of begs the question for New England: is what do you do to fill that void for the quarterback position? I mean, do you draft Mac Jones? Do you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you stick with Cam Newton? I hope it's the first two options. I mean, at best, I want them to keep Jimmy G or to trade for Jimmy G because I think Jimmy G is sort of your typical Belichick. I don't want to say Bobo because that sort of lends into the credence of uh, Felgen and Mass school of thought, but... I mean, he is like your Belichick disciple, which he'll do anything that Belichick will say, will tell him to do. He'll be so thankful to be in that system that I don't think you're going to see Jimmy G stand on on his own two feet and really be assertive about what he actually believes in. So, I mean, what do you really do at that position? I don't want to see Cam Newton back, and again, I don't really hate Cam Newton. I think he's past his prime, but to be honest with you, if you put Cam Newton in, then you're basically just throwing away the season. You're just getting another 6-10, and 5-11 season, and you're just going to have to draft better players. And the one thing about Belichick in the past four or five years is that he hasn't really been known to be drafting good players at that high of a position. Obviously, you got Jimmy G, you got Dante Hightower, but that was like six, seven years ago. At this point, I mean, lately it hasn't really been that well for that first round draft choice. And when you see Mac Jones, I mean, Mac Jones is an Alabama as an Alabama quarterback, and whether it's Greg McElroy, I would even put Brody Croyle in that list. Obviously, Brody Croyle but even AJ McCarron i mean you just see all these Alabama quarterbacks that have played tremendous in college level at the college level but when it comes to in the professional level they really haven't won the starting jobs or they haven't really played like they did in college it sort of lends into the into the w- widely held consumption uh, assumption not consumption assumption that maybe Alabama quarterbacks haven't really done well at that level because of the fact that the college system is so different than the football system and you see you're seeing that with Tua Tag- Tagovola, Tagliova you know Tua Tagliova uh Tua Tagliova uh, I can't <laughs> I'm sorry I'm bad with the names Tua Tag- I have, I have, I have a CT I'm sorry like like Brady probably has right now, but yeah, I mean, even with Tua, I mean, you see do- the Dolphins actually wanting to trade Tua Tagovailoa, even though he played pretty well for the Dolphins. You know, I mean, they were a ten and sixteen. They all they were a ten and six team. They almost got into the playoffs, it, but they're they're looking to trade Tua for Deshaun because they sort of see the ceiling for Tua and they wanna get in that Deshaun Watson sweepstakes even though the asking price for Deshaun Watson may be too much for the Dolphins to give up. So, I don't know. It's interesting to see the dynamic between the coaches and the quarterbacks because I do think that you're seeing the quarterbacks wield way more power than, say, the coaches do at this particular time. And as a Patriots fan, if we keep... Cam Newton, I might, I might, I might as well just, just <laughs> uh, do 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 bad things to myself. I don't know, I don't know, uh, but again, going back to the Alabama quarterback position, it, it's sort of like for me, like I'm the way that I treat the Alabama QB position is sort of how I treated Dane Cook. I remember back in the day in the two thousands where. Everybody loved Dane Cook, right? Everybody loved Dane Cook. From like your average dude bro to your average casual listener of stand-up comedy to individuals that actually liked physical act-outs of stand-up comedy. For me, I was a little bit too young for Dane Cook, but apparently he's dating somebody that's exactly uh, the same age as I am, which is a little weird, if I may say so myself. That's a little weird because that may be the la out of him that's saying that but or doing those actions but that's a little weird uh to be to be dating somebody 20 or 30 40 years you're your, your junior that's a little weird but remember when dane Cook was uh, was doing well with harmful of swallowed and these sort of specials that came out in the mid 2000s retaliation vicious circle you know the just rough around the edges. And then news came out about how he was sort of lifting jokes from Louie and they sort of had that confrontation on it, on his show title, uh, fittingly enough, Louie, about it. And you sort of see Rogan talking about it as well. But even though there's there's some sort of a camaraderie between Dane Cook and Louie now and Dane Cook and Rogan, it sort of took all the air away from Dane Cook. And as a result, he released Is- Isolated Incident and Troublemaker, which weren't that good of a special or weren't as great as his previous specials. But during that time, I believed in Dane Cook. Like, I actually liked Dane Cook. And for a time, I actually did believe that the Alabama quarterbacks could stand on their own two feet and could actually make a name for themselves outside of the Alabama quarterback position, outside of that college-level play. And for me, I actually liked the physical act-outs of Dane Cook. I thought he was a—to a, 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 me, like, he sort of reminded me of— a, of a younger, more jockier version of Steve Martin, of of dare I say it, Eddie Murphy. You know, I mean, I mean, he he was very good with physical act outs. He really was able to captivate an audience, especially at that big of a level. When he was like doing stadiums, and was one of the few people that was able to really accumulate a following on MySpace and on social media, much to the chagrin of an Andrew Schultz, which I, I like. I like Andrew Schultz, but. You didn't, again, you know, Dan Cook was the one that kind of started the internet boom. Not taking away anything from Andrew Schultz. I just think that Dan Cook was the person that started that internet boom for stand-up comedians. But, again, I liked his physical act-outs. I really liked his, his humor. But when you sort of hear the critique of Dan Cook and when you sort of hear individuals saying how he's sort of this low-level slapstick humor kind of individual that... Doesn't really say anything, then it sort of makes you rethink about Dan Cook. And again, I'm not one of these people that comedians have to say something on stage, because again, like we're doing this for drink tickets, you know. Like we're doing this, as Dan Soder would put it, like in the back of an arcade facility. I mean, we'd do this for nothing. We'd do this for French fries if we could get paid for to do stand-up comedy. You know, like I mean, the amount of times that you have to do free labor for stand-up comedy I mean I mean that's that's a, that's a good chunk of change in your life but again if you're able to maneuver on social media like Dane Cook or an Andrew Schultz and I don't think you have to go through that burden and again like I don't really get like why people often go after low low-level comedians for just like for just taking you not so seriously because again it's it's just comedy at the end of the day we're not changing people's minds we're not trying to change how we think of our current state of military or our current economic or political affairs or societal cultural affairs we're not if anything we're dumbing down these affairs and not taking it or actually delegitimizing them because we're joking about it we're not really taking it seriously so i mean this idea that comedians can shape the world with their art and with what they're saying i mean i mean that's i mean that you're living in make-believe land if you really believe in that I mean, you might as well believe in the idea that Robin Hood acted alone when they decided to halt trading for GameStop stock. I mean, it's just as dumb and as pointless as that. So I think that's what I truly believe in the Alabama quarterback situation. And when it comes to drafting Alabama quarterbacks, I'll still believe in it. You know, I'll still believe that they can actually. Perform at that high of a level, but I think it's more of the system than it is their play. But again, Nick Salmon, Bill Belichick really do have a camaraderie that is not there with other college to professional head coaches. Should I talk about the GameStop stock situation? Because I talked about it on Thursday, and when I was talking about it, I didn't get news that. Robinhood decided to halt trading for particular stocks. So it's sort of, I couldn't really clip it because there was just new information around and I didn't want to look like a, like an ass <laughs> on my Clips channel. But I mean, if anything, if there's one thing, if there's one main takeaway about that news, it's basically that for a lot of these companies, we they make money off data. They use your data, they store it, and then they sell it to the highest bidder, because that's how they make their bread and butter. They don't make any money when you sign up for free on their site. And again, as as I was talking about earlier, when it comes to the attention economy, I mean, we do live in a data attention economy. I mean, that might as well be the title of this episode, because I truly believe that we do live in that world. I mean, if you're not paying for a service, you're not a customer. You're simply the product. And these companies will take your data and sell it because that's how they make their money, as I was speaking to previously. They don't make any money when you decide to buy stock. They make money based off your interactions on that app with how how much time you've been on the app, with, with pertinent personal information that you have stored in that account. That's how they make their money. Netflix makes money through that. Facebook, through Cambridge Analytica, most prolifically, that case in and of itself was prolific in using your data, your your actual private information, and using it against your own advantage. So, <laughs> long story short, I brought up GameStalk to, to GameStonk to name my episode that. So that's sort of how i feel about the situation obviously obviously it sucks and i was listening to jimmy kimmel which by the way never listened to jimmy kimmel i mean what a fall from grace for jimmy kimmel i mean it, it's honestly mind-boggling to say that at one point jimmy kimmel was funny because now he's just self-loathing how he's a white dude and how 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 trump was a a disease of white privilege which stop self-loathing white people i I hate when like white people sort of self-pity one another and how they try and say that they're checking their white privilege stop it like you're only turning off (laughs) people who are not white when you say that verbiage like stop stop self-loathing yourself it's it's dehumanizing it really is but I mean, it's it's very sad to see say, to say like at one point Jimmy Kimmel was funny, and if if you're not referring what I'm saying, or if you're not saying if you're not thinking of, as to what I'm referring to, basically Jimmy Kimmel had this late night monologue where he was going after the GameStop stock, stock GameStop stock, uh, saying that they're Russian assets and they're Russian trolls on these subreddits that are spewing out disinformation, and I'm like, dude. I don't know if you have stake in Melvin Capital. Maybe you do. Maybe you're just a mouthpiece for the oligarchs and for the special interests that are currently at the helm of Disney. But stop it, man. Like, like, it's, it's, like if, it, if there's anything that the pandemic has shown, it's just how useless and how fickle these late-night talk show hosts have become and how insufferable they've become. Because they're not that funny, to be honest with you. And, and above all, it's just lowest common denominator of funny. If anything, if, if dressing yourself up in Blackface to be Carl Malone got you funny, then please do that. I would much rather prefer you dress up in Blackface and, and make and, and, and ridicule yourself by doing that than going on a diatribe as to how these Russian trolls are ruining, are ruining our current world. Again, be funny. If if being funny means wearing blackface, if being funny means going back to the Man Show, then go do it. I mean, <laughs> go go be funny. Stop trying to stop trying to lecture the ninety nine percent based off what the one percent wants you to say. Go do blackface. I mean, I mean, go do it. You know, I mean, that was the one time that I actually found you funny. I mean, if if there's anything that made you funny, it's 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 bordering on that type of humor so again stop it with this self-loathing russian disinformation bs that you're that you're kind of spewing out it's it's not beneficial for anyone besides you and your own interests so stop it and if being carl malone on a comedy central sketch show made you funny, then go do it, because I would much rather see that than what I saw two days ago. So let's get into some tennis news. I know I, I sort of side rail from what the actual gist of this podcast was about, but let's talk about some tennis news, some tennis speculation, if you will. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Nick Kyrgios, uh, I'll, let, me, let me rephrase this i think nick kyrgios has the best opportunity to win the australian open and i know that may be a controversial opinion for some for many but i really do think that nick kyrgios has the ability to play pretty well to play in a at a successful level you know i mean i i know a lot of people are going to say that oh i mean nick kyrgios doesn't really take the sport of tennis seriously he, his best performance at the Australian Open was five years ago, six years ago, uh, where he got a quarterfinal finish. I'm with you on that. I understand where you're coming from. But lately, what I'm hearing from his camp, what I'm hearing from his coaches, from his staff, he's done pretty well. And, and they've had nothing but positive things to say about Nick Kyrgios. And, I mean, I think his coach was saying, like, a week or so ago that Nick curios has been playing the best that he's ever played tennis and again I don't know the the truthfulness behind it but because obviously they haven't been practicing they haven't really been going on those, on those courts but I mean he's proven himself to be a good tennis player and I do want to see him succeed I do want to see him compete at that high level playing against great tennis players such as Nadal and obviously Djokovic with what he had to say about Djokovic 2 2 weeks ago but I want, I want to see him do well and I think that the more attention that Nick Kyrgios generates for the product the better the sport of tennis will be in the long run. You're not going to you're not going to make money just by talent and talent alone. You really need the outside buzz. You really need to bleed into the pop culture sphere as well. You really need a build up that anticipation so that the casual viewer can be enticed into watching a product. And I do think Nick has that ability. And not only that, but I i mean, him on the tennis court is a sight to behold because he really relies on the, on those flashy plays, whether it's that underarm serve or whether it's going in between his legs to sort of hit it, not in a federal way where federal would hit, hit in the back, but like an actual tweener where it's, like forward, it's facing the opponent. Again, all of that adds up and culminates to an exciting finish, an exciting match. And if he's able to stay in the thick of it and take it seriously and not meander into what I would say is uh, clownish behavior, then I think Nikirgios has the ability to to win it all. I know that's asking for too much from Nikirgios, but I think Kirgios can. But perform at a high level if he takes it seriously and surrounds himself with with people that take it just as, a, as much, if not more seriously, than he takes it. I think that's what's going to be the end result for Kyrgios. A man that has the talent, but if he's not able to t- take it seriously, then what's the point of it? What's the purpose of it? All right, so I got into some football news, got into some GameStop news as well, got some, got into some tennis news as well. Let me just give, uh, let me just end this podcast by giving you a recommendation. Usually, for the past two three weeks, I've been giving you recommendations as to what I've been watching, what I've been consuming, whether it's art, whether it's music or literature or films or whatever it is so let me just give you and i know this is a very normie recommendation but the thing that i'm recommending to you for today is machine gun kelly's tickets to my doubtful i know machine gun kelly is cringe i know that he probably entered the pop punk the pop punk spirit uh, to sort of alleviate himself from any damage that he might've gotten from Eminem. I actually liked rap devil way more than I did kill shot. That's just personally what I'll say. I liked rap devil. I thought rap devil was a good, good track, a great track to me, to be honest with you. And maybe he's just doing this to entice women my age to go to his concerts and to have questionable groupies around him. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the case as well. I mean, he's pretty, he's doing pretty well with, uh, the Transformers trick, but I like the album. I like the album. It reminds me of, I mean, honestly, it's a homage to everything about pop punk, whether it's My Chemical Romance or Paramore, and obviously with Travis Barker on the drums, Blink 182. I mean, it's a good album. <laughs> I'm sorry, I like several songs off the album. Forget Me 2 is a great one. Body Bag, which is on his extended cut with Young Blood, is awesome as well. I actually like Drunk Face as well, I I mean, I like the song, you know, I mean, whenever I'm like driving in my accord, I know, fancy car, but whenever I'm driving in my accord, it's like, man, the song just fits perfectly with it. I mean, there are a lot of other songs that I like about this album as well, the interludes are okay as well, I mean, they're not that great, but I mean, it's a good, it's a good album, it's one of the best albums of 2020, in my opinion. And again, I know we've been depleted because of COVID due to people not getting studio time and studio space, but this is just a great album. I love it. MGK can do no can do no wrong when he's in the pop punk sphere, and I can't wait to see him perform live. I'm definitely going. It's going to be weird because it's going to be like, <laughs> I mean, I can just see the the audience, and it's going to be a lot, a lot younger than me. If anything, the male bathrooms will be a lot shorter than the other way around. So MGK, Tickets of My Downfall, go check it out. I he, released, he recently performed on SNL, and he performed the tracks so only, and my ex's best friend with, I don't think Black Bear was on it, but was on SNL, but he was on the track, and he did well. And I think with the news about him on SNL, I just thought it was fitting to recommend it. So, anyways, with that comes another episode of the OJ Tucker Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and click on the bell icon if you're watching on YouTube. And with that, enjoy the next two days because I'll be seeing you guys on Thursday 8. All right, guys, have a nice day and see y'all.